This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. When a victim is shot or stabbed, what's the best way to get them to the emergency room with the highest odds of survival? Ambulance or private car? We have this surprising answer. In patients with penetrating injuries, a car crash, anybody who's bleeding, one of the things that we should be teaching the public is direct pressure on wounds that are bleeding. Then, a recent study shows people troubled by mental health issues set aside far less money for retirement than average. Adding responsibility with money can feel overwhelming even if you do not have a mental health issue. And so it's an empirical question how retirement savings behavior and mental health is connected. Those two stories and more are coming your way on this week's show. Stay tuned. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. When a victim suffers a traumatic wound from a shooting or stabbing, how they're transported to the emergency room can mean the difference between life or death, according to a recent study. Dr. Elliot Hout, Associate Professor of Surgery and Emergency Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, is senior author of that study, and he joins us today. Before we get to the results of your study, tell us how you gathered the data for this. We used data from the National Trauma Data Bank. The National Trauma Data Bank is the largest repository of trauma data in the world. And where it comes from is each individual trauma center in the country sends their data about all of the patients they see, what happens to them, what injuries they had, what treatment they had, and what their outcomes were. That data gets sent to the American College of Surgeons, which brings it all together. Data from literally millions of patients for over a decade in all 50 states. And it has that data together at the American College of Surgeons. So in evaluating emergency transport for the victims of penetrating wounds, what were the results of your research? What our research showed was that for the narrow group of patients who are shot and stabbed, and brought to an urban trauma center. So these are shootings and stabbings in the cities, not out in the rural areas. We didn't study those. But in the urban areas, patients who get brought in by private vehicle, basically their own cars or their friends or however they get there, had improved survival compared to those patients transported by traditional EMS, emergency medical services, paramedics, EMTs. One would think that an ambulance team would be able to provide some measure of treatment to a victim immediately. Is that generally not the case? There are certainly some cases where paramedics and EMTs do perform immediately life-saving interventions. We know that patients with cardiac arrest, for example, do better the quicker they can get CPR and defibrillation. But the data on these types of procedures for patients with penetrating trauma is very different. There are few procedures that have really been shown to benefit patients, and actually there are some that have actually been shown to be worse and cause higher mortality. So for example, you might think that putting in an IV and giving a patient fluids is beneficial, but there's data that would say that's not the right thing to do. 
Do you know the difference in minutes between a car ride, a private car, and an ambulance? Is that a significant difference? Unfortunately, we don't have the exact data. For the patients who show up at the doorstep in private vehicles, we really don't have much information at all about what happened to them before they got there. We don't know what time their injury occurred. We don't know how far away they were. We don't know the transport time. None of those variables exist in this data set. So it is a little bit of a black box. So I can't tell you exactly the time, but we do think a huge piece of this is the time that it takes. So say, for example, if a patient is shot and they're very close to a trauma center, you know, my trauma center at Johns Hopkins is in East Baltimore. It's parts of the neighborhood are not that great. And we have patients who get shot, you know, six blocks away. And those patients are very close. If they can very rapidly get here, we think that's probably faster than waiting for police and ambulance to show up, make sure the scene is safe, and have time for an EMT or paramedic to maybe do some interventions and then bring the patient to the hospital. Is the primary consideration blood loss? Is that what the problem is, or is it damage to the system of the patient? What is it that is the main factor of mortality here? Many of these patients do bleed to death, and that is something that we absolutely try to stop as quickly as possible. Once you get to the trauma center, we have a lot of things at our disposal to be able to stop bleeding. We do immediate surgery right away. We have other medical interventions. But I think it's important for the lay public to know that in patients with these injuries, whether they be penetrating injuries or any sort of trauma, a car crash or fall or machine injuries or things like that, anybody who's bleeding, one of the things that we should be teaching the public to do is to stop the bleed. And there's a big push now from the American College of Surgeons that talks about this program. It's called Stop the Bleed. People will be hearing more and more about it that will teach the public direct pressure on wounds that are bleeding. If it's a large wound, pack the wound. If it's on an arm or a leg and it's still bleeding, you might need to place a tourniquet to stop the bleeding. Whatever we can do, you know, I can do that as a trauma surgeon. Trauma nurses can do that, paramedics, EMTs. But we can also teach the lay public to do it. These are not difficult skills. Our guest is Dr. Elliot Houts, Associate Professor of Surgery and Emergency Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. We're talking about a study of which he was the senior author regarding transport to the emergency room by private car or ambulance vehicles and which is better for survival. We didn't really get into the percentage of patients less likely to die if they are transported by private vehicle. Do you know that number? One way to look at it is just the raw numbers. So the raw numbers, patients are significantly less likely to die. But that's a really hard thing to look at because we don't know the severity of the injuries of these patients. And the raw numbers in and of themselves are not as useful. So I think the most important takeaway number is that patients who are coming by private vehicle are 62% less likely to die than those coming by EMS. And what that does is that controls for all of the different injury patterns that we have information about. How injured were they? What was their blood pressure? Those types of things that we know are different between the groups, but even controlling for those things, patients who are transported by private vehicle 
are significantly less likely to die. If you happen to live near one of those 24-hour emergency care storefront locations, is that worth going to or should you really just go to a big hospital? I think for the major trauma that we take care of, you really need to be at a trauma center. So many of the patients that get brought to my institution or others like ours in urban settings with stab wounds and gunshot wounds, a large proportion of them need immediate surgery to try to save their life. For example, if you come to Johns Hopkins, there's a trauma surgeon who's in the hospital waiting for you to treat your injury the minute you get here. And that is not necessarily the case at other hospitals that are not designated as a trauma center. And I think that's really important for the public to understand the difference between hospitals that may be great at some things, but if they're not a trauma center, they don't have the system set up with the surgeons, the emergency medicine physicians, the anesthesiologists, the nurse, the blood bank, all the systems that have been put in place to give the patients the best chance of survival. If the data shows that this is the best way to transport patients, I think we need to fix the system to allow this to happen and make the public aware of it, make the trauma centers ready for it to happen more and more, and maybe we even need to change the way 911 operators deal with an emergency with a stab wound or a gunshot wound. Right now, if you call and say, you know, my friend is having a heart attack, they will walk you through the steps of how do you do CPR. Maybe we need something similar in we'll walk you through the steps of how do you stop the bleeding. And I can imagine a world in which they say something like, I've checked the GPS on your phone and you're six blocks from Johns Hopkins Hospital, drive to this address. And maybe that's a better way to do it. Do I have data to prove that right now? No, but I think if we can show that this is the best thing for patients, patients deserve us to fix the system so they can get the best care we can provide. Dr. Elliot Hout, Associate Professor of Surgery and Emergency Medicine at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely. I had a great time. Next, how a person's mental health can impact their retirement savings. That story, coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this. 